So it was, a, it was a special night. It was a wonderful night. Some call it a holy night. The sky was clear. The stars were out. It was the night that our Savior was born. The world was waiting. The world was stuck. It was stuck in its sin, needing a Savior. It was waiting. It was pining until he appeared, until he released us from the darkness of what we were in, and we experienced the love of God. We experienced his his love in our lives, and we saw our worth. There was a thrill of hope as the world experienced the birth of Christ. We rejoiced. And we waited for this new day to dawn. So what's the response? What is the response? You fall on your knees. You worship. You sing with the angels. This was a divine night. This was a holy night, the night that Christ was born. That was not my words. It's my adaptation from the song, O Holy Night. I think you might have picked up on that. It's an iconic song that is sung at Christmas. It's one of the harder songs to sing. That's why I didn't sing it for you. Um, But it's it's a special song when we think of the Christmas season. It was actually written in in 1847 in France. It was a poem, and then a couple years later it was put to music. It actually became very popular and crossed the Atlantic and came to the United States and was translated into English in 1855. Really short time considering the world back then, but you remember what was happening here in our country in 1855. Uh, We were on the brink of a civil war the North and the South at odds, fighting over slavery. And this song, O Holy Night, became kind of a battle cry of the North that resonated with them. It was a song that they really held on to for this reason, for the the third verse where it says, Chains shall he break, for the slave is our brother, and in his name all oppression shall cease. You can see why that was important to them then. It's an important line even today. As we see people, uh, even in trafficking and slavery, we see oppression. And even still, we pray that those chains will be broken. Our slave is our brother, and his name, all oppression shall cease. So that was a, a line that was important over 100 years ago. But today, we're taking that line, a thrill of hope. To be kind of our Christmas theme for these next few weeks as we enter into Advent, as we enter into this time of preparation, as we wait uh, for this Christmas day, and as we celebrate all that God has done. What does a thrill of hope mean? A thrill, right? You guys know what a thrill is. It's a sudden feeling of excitement, of pleasure. There's people out there that are thrill seekers. Maybe you're one of them. You just love, you live for this thrill, the skydiving, the bungee cord jumping, the uh, zip lining or mountain biking, surfing, whatever it is, there's these thrills out there that you seek, that you enjoy. But there's other thrills that come just kind of on a routine basis, right? We, every time there's a, uh, somebody pregnant, a child to be born, we're, we have this thrill, this excitement we can't wait. 
You know, those college students that are looking for, or high school students waiting for the college admission uh, letters, the thrill that comes from that, the thrill that is just around us all the time. We understand that, but what about hope? Hope, it's feeling, expectation, a desire for a certain thing that will happen in the near future. It's something that we're, we're looking forward to. It's future sense. We're waiting for it, and we're excited for this. We can't wait, right? Like, again, someone who's pregnant, they can't wait. They have hope. They're, they have the thrill and hope. They're excited. They can't wait for this child to be born, just hoping for that healthy child. The students, we hope for good grades. You adults, you hope for a good Christmas bonus, right? You hope it's coming. Uh, it's there in the future. Just wait. So this thrill of hope at Christmas time, putting that together, it's a sudden feeling of excitement, expectation for something we're longing for. That something we're longing for is for Jesus. Jesus, our Messiah, who would come and enter into this world to give us what we need, to rescue us, give us salvation. So it's Christmas time is a time of thrill, a time of hope. And like Daniel just said, back in the Old Testament, uh, before the New Testament, they were waiting for this day. They've been waiting for a long time for the Savior to come, to free them, to give them redemption, to save them from their sins, to save them from the, 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 the trouble they were in by their sins, by being separated from God. They were waiting. And some had to wait for a long time. Generations went. When will this come? We stand on this side of it. We stand kind of in between the two advents. We, we have seen or we've, we remember, we know of Christ coming. And we look back to that. And we, we live in, that, in, in all, the, all that that has accomplished. We have been forgiven. We live in the light of Christ. We're part of his family in his kingdom. But we also stand waiting for the next advent, the return of Christ. And just as some of the same people were saying, how long before the Savior comes, we say the same thing. How long will it be before you come? What are you waiting for? The world is a mess. Come, Lord Jesus, come. And so as we stand in between the advents, we remember what Jesus has done, and we thank him and we praise him for it. We also live in a time of preparation as we wait for his return. And what does God call us to do? What does he call us to be? Christmas time is a time of hope for the weary world. Back then, the world wasn't weary from its schedules like we are so much. It was weary of just being under the, the curse of sin. Right? Sin and then sacrifice and having peace and then sinning again and then having to do a sacrifice and then having this peace with God and then sin and just this rotation, this kind of laborious life of sin and sacrifice and trying to be right with God. And if only there was a way for our sin to be dealt with completely. If only there was a way for one sacrifice to take away the sin of everyone once and for all. If only there was a way for us to have peace with God. That all came at Christmas time as we anticipate the arrival of this very special person. So today and in the next few weeks during this short Christmas season, we're going to be looking and preparing our, our lives 
for uh, this event that happened at Christmas. Today, we'll kind of look at the moment that Jesus came. Next week, we'll look at the message that he brought. And then the mindset we are to have as we look at the power of the manger. And so we'll be building in, in that. But we'll, we're not going to look at the Gospels in these next few weeks. We'll look some more at the kind of behind the scenes, uh, maybe after the effect of uh, looking at Paul's letters. Like, uh, how did Paul, when he thought about Christmas, what did he see? How did he see it and what did he say about it? And so that's what we'll be looking at today. So we'll start today in Galatians chapter 4. Now, we studied this earlier this year. We went through the book of Galatians. So I'm not going to go through all the details in here. But there are some parts that I want us to refresh. I want us to look at again, especially in light of Christmas. And so would you join me as we read from this passage? Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. He says this, But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has also made you an heir. The thrill is that Jesus came to earth. The waiting is over. He's arrived. The hope is that Jesus would bring us into the kingdom of God. He would make us his children, the children of the Father. So let's look at when this all happened. It was at the right moment, at the perfect moment, God sent his son. That's how Galatians 4 starts. It says, when, but when the set time had fully come, uh, the fullness of time had arrived. It was full. It was ready. It's like your coffee cup that when you're pouring it in, it's full. You have to stop. You have to stop pouring. It's going to overflow. Or the bathtub that's filling up. You have to stop the water. So the same thing. The fullness of time had come. It was the right time. The fullness of time had come. And now it was the moment that God had known from about from eternity. He had known that this was the moment. It was kept secret. So Paul tells us in Romans 16, the mystery which was kept secret since the world began was now unveiled. Now was the moment that God would enter into our world to bring about the, the salvation that we've been waiting for. That was the moment 2,000 years ago. Some of us, though, and I, I, you think about it, you're like, why was it back then? Wouldn't it have been better now? It shouldn't have God come now. I mean, if you think about it, like, this, think of all the, the advances in our technology that we have now that they didn't have then. I mean, like, everybody in here, you probably all have a phone. On that phone, you have a camera, you have a video. From that, you can shoot any video to anyone around the world in just a second. Like, this would be a great time. If Jesus was to come now, we could all video. We could video his sermons, his miracles, and all that kind of stuff. We could send it around the world, and everyone would know his name. But I don't know, as I, I think about that, I'm like, why, why not now? I, I, I do think this is the reason I don't think it was happening now is because this world is too noisy. So much noise. And we're so distracted. And we have so many things that are occupying our time. I think if Jesus came right now, yeah, we have the technology to send these sermons around the world in a heartbeat. But I don't think anybody would be listening. I don't think they would hear it. 
But back then they did. Back then was the perfect moment. All right, what was happening? Well, Rome was kind of the power of the day. Rome had come in and they have established their authority, right? And I'm sure there was some crazy things going on, but there was this, this peace around the Roman Empire. They had soldiers around in all the different cities to make sure that this peace was established. So that was happening. There was roads that were being built, right? They were connecting cities that had never been connected before. And eventually all these roads lead to Rome, Right? But for now, this is that first time people could travel in safety and in security from city to city. What else was happening? The language. Because of the Greeks and the Romans, they had come through. They had established these, these languages over the whole empire. That everybody, they had their own language, but they also knew Greek or Latin. And so they could, they could communicate together. And so you put those things together. They, they could communicate in one language. They could go from city to city in peace This was a great time for Jesus to come and for that gospel to be shared. But there's also, there's deeper reasons, the theological reasons why God brought this about. It's because he was going to give us freedom, the freedom that we've been longing for. The freedom that Moses had talked about and that they had seen way back through the scriptures, that you will be free that we would be free from sin and we'd be able to, to live in this right relationship with God. The way that we were created. The way that Adam and Eve lived in the garden. We were longing for that. To have that kind of a relationship again. But because of sin and many other things, we were hindered from him. Another similar way, another theological concept that, that God saw is that we were trapped in darkness. We were slaves. We were slaves in the darkness to Satan, to the devil. We've been trapped with no way out. Our sin, well, the, the wickedness in our hearts, we were stuck in slavery as Joseph was in slavery, as, as Israel was in slavery in Egypt, as Israel was in exile among the nations. But in the same way, we would be freed, just as Joseph was freed from jail, just as, as, as Israel was freed from slavery, just as Israel was allowed to go back to Jerusalem after the exile. So that was a foretaste of what we would experience. We would experience that same freedom, that freedom that would only come with the birth, death, resurrection of our Messiah. So it was that at that moment, the perfect moment. Now, some of us, we tend to question God's timing, don't you? Have you ever questioned his timing? I often, I think kind of my default is that God's timing is way too slow. <laughs> I, I want things way faster. Now, every once in a while, when I want things to slow down, he speeds them up. So it, it's, this, it's this constant tension as we grow uh, in our faith to understand God's timing and to settle into it. But God's timing is perfect and it's beautiful. And just as the, the birth timing was just at the exact right moment, so his return will come. His return will be at the exact right moment. Some of us want it now. Like, come, Lord Jesus, come. We're like, it's okay, things are good, we can wait. But his timing will come at the right moment. And we don't have to worry about that. 
but we can anticipate it and we can be prepared for it. But God's timing was perfect, right with the birth, just as it will be with the return. So at the right moment, what happened? God sent his son. All right, Jesus left his father in heaven. He came here. God sent his son. He wasn't forced. All right, his arm wasn't twisted. He didn't lose a bet. Jesus came out of love. Right? And here's what I, I need you to remember this. This is so important. Like, what is the motivation? What is the motivation that brought Jesus here? It was love. You guys remember one of the most famous verses, John 3.16, right? For what? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. It's out of love. Everything is motivated by love. It's Christmas, motivated by love. God sent his son, and God sent his son with love. Jesus went with love. And he went on this mission trip, left heaven, to this earth, to this world where people needed this message, this message of hope. And he brought that message. He brought it to us. So when the time was set, when it had fully come, God sent his son. How did he send him? He was born of a woman. Born of a woman. Mary was the chosen woman to receive this gift. Mary, the virgin. This is truly an unusual part of the story. It really is, and we just need to sit with it for a minute. Like, this is, this is different. The virgin birth. Like, why? Like, why? Why the virgin birth? Why, why did it come that way? See, I, I, there's been people, I've heard them uh, throughout the years, saying that, you know, religion, Christianity, is just something that man made up. All right? It's man made up. You needed some crutches. You needed some things to hold on to. You needed to find purpose, so you created this religion. But I... I really think that if man made this, it, it wouldn't go this route. Uh, it, it would probably go a different place right now. You know, if you think about, okay, if, if that were so, if a bunch of people were sitting in a room creating a religion, and how would it go? It would say, all right, we need somebody to take notes. I'll, I'll take notes, right? Uh, let's see, it starts with God. Okay, good. He created the world. Good, that's great. Great start. Who is this God? You know, the Father. He's a Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Like, all right, I mean, that, that's okay. We'll take some work. We'll have to, have to define that. But there's some mystery in there. That's good. Then what happened? Well, man who he created was estranged, right? He, he rebelled, you know? He was broken relationship. Okay, that's good. That, that, all of that works. Then God would, would redeem them. He would come and he would bring them back into a relationship. All of that's good. How would that happen? Here's how it's going to happen. This God, the Son, is going to be born in this world to a young teenage girl in Nazareth, in Israel, and she's going to be a virgin. I think if the people who are creating this religion would probably stop right there and say, hold on, I, we need something a little more. We need some more pizzazz. How about Caesar? How about Rome and palaces? Things like that. That's, that's a better story. Not this young virgin birth. Nobody's going to believe that or understand it. But that's how it happened. And there's a reason for that. There's a reason for that. From all the prophecy that we saw that was going to come through Israel, become through this, this virgin girl, but there's a reason for that. It's because this Messiah was going to be different. And he was going to do something that we could not do, that men and women could not do. He was going to redeem us. 
He was going to save us. He was going to be the sacrifice to save us from our sins. But what do we need for that? We need a perfect sacrifice. So we need someone who's perfect, but we also need someone who represents us. Flesh and blood, who, who understands us, who's been tempted in every way, yet without sin. And so it would be this perfect blend of fully God and fully man. Fully man through Mary, but fully God through the Spirit. And this person would be born to a woman, just like you and I, but would do something that we couldn't do. Would go to the cross, be that perfect sacrifice for us. So, no, it wasn't born to Caesar. It wasn't born to Herod or Pilate. It was born to this woman. If they were born to someone like that, they might, you might be able to say, because they're such high level, they might be over the law. But what we're told next is this person was born under the law. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Right? Humans are born under the law. Animals aren't born under the law. Nobody really cares if an animal follows the law or breaks the law. They're animals. Uh, angels and demons, uh, they're not under our laws. And God's certainly not under our law. But Jesus was born under the law. He was under the authority of this world. He didn't have a get-out-of-jail-free card that he could use. But he lived like us. He was under the authority, and he lived perfectly under the law. Perfectly. That Jesus was born under the law to keep it perfectly in order that he could be the perfect sacrifice to free us as captives and slaves, to give us freedom. So when did all this happen? At the perfect moment, at the moment that God desired, that special day, Christmas Day. Now, what did he do? At that right moment, Jesus redeemed us from the world. He redeemed us. from. He was born under the law to free those who were under the law. That's us. Look at verse 4. I'll read it again. But when the time... The set time had fully come. God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to what? To redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. The Christmas, it's the incarnation when Jesus came in flesh. What did it do? He redeemed us from being under the law. All right? Salvation came within. All right? He was one of us, and he freed us. He didn't come from outside and kind of break the jail apart and said, you're released. He came in. He was put in jail. He was made like us. But because of his life, he was able to bust open that jail to free us, to redeem us. To give us an example, I know you you guys like superheroes. I know you watched all those movies, right? And sometimes we might think of, you know, this, this special day, Christmas, of Jesus being like a Superman or a Thor who came from some other planet, who came here and, and kind of had his own uh, ability to live above the law, right? Above gravity to be able to fly and do all those things. And like he was here to free us. That's not the story we get from the Bible. 
right? He didn't float down like Mount Olympus or something and, and come and, and to free us all with all of his great power and, and strength. And, and nor was he like a, a, a Batman or an Iron Man who was just like us but figured out a way to create a uniform, to create uh, the ability to defy gravity, to be like this superhero and to fight off people to save them and free them. He wasn't that either. But what does it say? Galatians tells us, Galatians chapter 3, it says this, that Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hung on a pole. He didn't come with this lightning bolts and thunder or a hammer or whatever to save us. He came as a little baby who lived who represented us in every way, but yet he took on the curse. The curse that we deserved, we totally deserved it, but he took it, right? Every, every whip, every thorn, every nail, every splinter on a, rare, on a raw back, we deserved that, but he took it. That's how he redeemed us, not with all this crazy uh, power, but through the power of being someone who was cursed, who died for us. He took our place. And he was really the only one who could do it. Because he was the only one who represented us, yet was without sin, living under the law, to save those under the law. It was his rescue plan. It was God's rescue plan. It was one-sided. It, it wasn't something that we had to negotiate with him, or, uh, and he didn't negotiate with Satan either. Uh, just this last week in the news, we just read, and, and thankfully so, about uh, several, not all, but several of the hostages in Israel who were released, right, uh, or exchanged for prisoners. But how did that all happen? It wasn't that the prisoners escaped. That would be a great story if it was. But there was, it was negotiations. There was third parties. They came in and sat down around the table and said, all right, we'll give you this. How much will you give us? You know, we'll give you these hostages. You give us some prisoners. And they came to uh, some sort of agreement, and that happened. But that's not what happened at Christmas. Jesus didn't come and sit down at the table with Satan and said, okay, here's what we want to do. I want to I take some of your prisoners. What do you need? What can we do? What kind of thing can we work out? No, it was Jesus. It just came in. He entered into the jail. And he says, I'm taking you out. I'm freeing you. We're busting out. Breaking open the prison doors. Giving us freedom. He not only gave us freedom, but then it says that he rescued us. He brought us into his family. He brought us into the family of God. To be his children. To be God's children. Like, it's great to be rescued. But now this new identity as the children of God, saying, I'm going to free you from the kingdom of darkness and I'm going to bring you into the kingdom of light. I'm bringing you into the kingdom of heaven, into God's kingdom. And here you are his children. You're children of the king. What a beautiful picture. I mean, being freed would have been great. That would have been enough. Good. I'm out of the, the prison. Now I can live my life how I want to. But he freed us and he brought him into his, into his kingdom where the love is lavished upon us. Where the, the Father delights in us, saying, I'm so happy to have you home. 
He's rescuing prisoners. And even now we get to stand in that and watch that and be a part of that. As we see people coming out of the darkness and into the light, coming into his kingdom, experiencing his love. And we get to share that story and partner with the Lord to see that happen. He's still rescuing people today. All, see, notice all that God has done. He set the time, right? He sent his son. He redeemed us. He gave us this gift to receive. And he gave us this gift to be adopted as his sons and daughters. So why Christmas? Why do we have it? To redeem us from sin. To free us from the master of sin. To immigrate us into his kingdom. I mean, lights and bells and peppermint lattes and gifts, those are all great things you can, you can have at Christmas. But that's not what Christmas is about, is it? It's about the incarnation, Jesus becoming flesh, living among us, to free us, to redeem us, to let us lead us into his kingdom. And God would not let another day go by until that would happen. The thrill of hope. At the right moment, how did it happen? That spirit regenerated our lives and made us alive to God. See, so it's not just that we were imprisoned. The scripture says we were, you were spiritually dead. You were dead. You had nothing to contribute. Nothing you could do. You were chained up. You were dead. But God entered in. He made us alive and he gave us freedom. All this happened at just that right moment. Look at verse 6, 6 and 7. He says, because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out Abba, Father. It's a close and intimate name. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God also made you an heir. Blessed you with an inheritance. An eternal inheritance. I mean, he, he knew you. He loved you. He called you. He rescued you. He freed you. He, he made you alive. The Spirit was let loose in our heart to bring us back to life. Paul talks about it in other ways in Romans 6, where it's talking about the death of Jesus and his life. It says, the death he died, he died to sin once and for all. Once and for all. For all of us. But the life he lives, he lives to God. It says, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. You are alive. Therefore, therefore, what are you going to do? Do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. It says, you have been made alive. You are alive and you've been given new freedom. Now, what do you do with that? He says here, he says, now don't let sin reign in your life. Don't let it have control, but kill it. All right, get rid of it. All right, don't, it's like wearing the prison clothes. Why, why are you wearing those prison clothes when you've been freed? Get rid of them. Throw them away. Put on your new clothes. So many of us, though, we, we're still wearing those prison clothes. Yes, we've been freed. And yes, we're part of his kingdom. But we're, there's some things that we haven't let go of. We haven't taken off. And we keep these things in our life. And the message we hear at Christmas is that you have been redeemed. You've been made alive. Now get rid of those things and prepare yourself 
as you wait for the next advent. We have this garbage in our lives that we just hold on to. we got to let go of it. Think about the process of garbage. All right, garbage starts all nice and new and, and wonderful, but then it gets worn out and we don't need it. And so what do you do? Hopefully, you have trash cans in your house, right? You have little small trash cans in the bathroom, in the kitchen, in the garage, in, your, in the bedrooms, whatever, that you put these things in. And it's just kind of a holding pattern. It's just a holding pattern. The trash just sits in there and just waits. Now, some of you kind of look by, you go by and you look in that trash can and you're like, what, that's not trash. That's still good. Why do you throw that away? There still has all kinds of life in there. That's, that T-shirt's still good, you know, hardly has any stains and whatever, right? But it's a holding pattern. But the whole concept is to get it out of the house into the big trash can and then to get that trash can out to the curb so that the garbage man can take it and throw it away and be violent with it and just get rid of it. But that's the normal process. The garbage man does not come on Tuesday morning and knock on your door and say, hey, I'm just here to collect the trash. Uh, I'll just, don't mind me, I'll just go around, I'll gather it. You know, picking it up off the floor and off the kitchen table and, and, and then taking it out. It doesn't happen that way. You have to get it in the trash can. You have to take it outside. You have to get it to the curb. And so many of us, we just let that garbage sit, sit there. Like, oh, I might need it. I might need it someday. I mean, these, these tissues, they've only been used once. I mean, what happens if we run out? I can use them again. All right, that dental floss, that's still totally good. All right, that can be used more than once. No, there's new tissue. There's new dental floss. There's better stuff out there. Get rid of it. So many of us, we hold on to these things from our, when we were in slavery. We said, we might just need that. I might need that edge in that fight, so I'm going to keep it. But we've been freed. And there are better things that are waiting for us than what we have right now. Let go of it. As we look at this whole story of Christmas and we look at just what we saw here in, this, in Galatians chapter 4, it's a powerful reminder that, that this all happened for a purpose. It just wasn't by accident. It just wasn't the spontaneous thing that happened like, or like God forgot, like, oh, we should probably do that, you know, sometime. No, it was intentional. And it was at the right time that God sent his son out of love for us. That we would come under the law to redeem those who are under the law. To free us from that. From, to, to free us from that which held us in slavery. To forgive us from our sins and give us this new identity. And we get to live in that. The new identity of children of the king. Children of heaven. And we get to live that now. And we hope. We wait. We anticipate for that second time when he comes and when the kingdom of God is in its glory but now we live waiting and how will we live how will we wait well let's get rid of the prison clothes let's get rid of the garbage let's live as we are called beloved children of the king and let's share because we all know, we all know there's still people and while the prison doors are open while the chains are released they're still there and we're going to pray for the Holy Spirit to beckon their names and call them. And we're going to do whatever we can to cheer them and to help them and to bring them into the, into the kingdom of God. Because this is still the day of salvation.
O holy night, and the stars were brightly shining. It's the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appears and the soul felt his worth. A thrill of hope. A thrill of hope. The weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. So fall on your knees and hear the angel voices. O night divine. The night when Christ was born. The perfect moment that changed everything. So at the right time, God sent his son to redeem the world, to adopt us into his family. And why? Because he loves us. And I pray that this will help prepare your hearts as we have about 22 days till Christmas. And in these 22 days, that you'll be able to say, Lord, come. Lord, I'm ready. I want to live in that freedom. I want to live as your child. And Lord, continue to bring more and more people into your kingdom. We thank you for what you've done. We praise you. It's an amazing story. It's a beautiful story. A story we've heard many times, but I hope and I pray that we never get used to it. That it still brings a thrill of hope to our lives. Amen.